Good morning. Welcome to Jesus and Coffee with Pastor Tom, where we have a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. We are in Proverbs chapter 10, and we're going to look at a smaller section today, so I don't take so much time. So it's verse 11 through 16. Let's say a prayer and get started. Father, we come before you now. Thank you for this morning. Bless this time as we look into your word. Teach us something new for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lesson notes. Now, chapter 10, I didn't, I kind of, I guess I described it yesterday, but, but chapter 10 is when we start to see actual, what we would consider proverbs in the sense of, of you know, someone making a wise statement, a proverb saying, okay? Almost like, <laughs> these are almost like fortune cookie statements, I guess would be a way to put it. It's, it's each verse is, is um, this is the, the good way to do it, this is the bad way to do it. Uh, or this is what happens if, if you're wise, this is what happens if you're foolish. And so we just call them fortune cookie proverbs, I guess. But that's what uh, chapter 10 kind of does. And so we're going to look at five more today rather than 10 like yesterday. And uh, there's a lot packed in these. There's a lot packed in them, um, especially verse 12. But let's go ahead and start reading. And as we read each one, I'm just going to talk about it a little bit and uh, see maybe how it connects to other, other places in Scripture because uh, there's no contradiction here. All right, verse 11 says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Okay? Obviously here, this is pretty straightforward. Those who seek to do right. Okay, well, what is righteousness? Well, let's go back to the two greatest commandments again. All right, because if you have a question, if something is righteous or not, if it's good, if it's right, that's what righteous means, is it a right thing to do, morally speaking, ethically, then it's built upon two great commandments. Love God with all your heart, love others. Those two commandments sum up all the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments sum up all of the Old Testament commandments, okay? They're all built upon those two things. Ultimately, love God. Or, as Proverbs 1-7 would say, the fear of the Lord, which means respect for God. You look to God as the highest authority in your life. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the Lord, Master of your life, okay? So, that is the foundation for righteousness as well as wisdom. Therefore, the mouth of the righteous person, the person who seeks God first, is going to be a fountain of life. That means they're going to be able to provide truth to you in your life, in your situations, that is going to be like a fountain just constantly pouring out from the earth, okay? It's just constantly giving life-giving water, never-ending, all right? Those are the type of people you want to listen to, whereas someone who is not, someone who rejects God, someone who you could consider is a mouth of wicked, they're only going to bring destruction. They're only going to bring violence because they're not thinking in all of their life and every decision they make. They're not thinking, how is this going to bring the most glory to God? That's how a righteous person thinks. That's how a person who follows the greatest commandment thinks. That's how someone who follows Proverbs 1-7. They have the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of knowledge. Okay, They're not thinking that way. Someone who thinks that way is going to have your best interest in mind. Someone who does not think that way is going to have their best interest in mind. Therefore, their mouth will lead to violence. 
Someone who loves God with all their heart is going to love you and put you before themselves, and they're going to be a fountain of life, what comes from their mouth, okay? Verse 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. In some ways, you can see this one kind of piggybacks on, on, on with 11, okay? Hatred stirs up strife. I cannot tell you how frustrating it is. Have you ever known someone, or maybe you've been this person at some point in time in your life, that just wants to get offended about absolutely everything? And no matter what someone does, what happens, they're upset because things either didn't go their way, they didn't happen the way they wanted, um, or they make the most negative, worst assumptions about a situation. Well, that person didn't say hey to me in the parking lot, so that means they hate me. Well, maybe they were busy getting their kids out of the car. Maybe they were distracted by something else. Maybe it just didn't cross their mind. You know, maybe you're wrong and they don't actually hate you and they don't actually, they aren't actually avoiding you. So people who have that type of heart, it's evidence that there is an insecurity and a dissatisfaction in their life, okay? And if they're the type of people that nitpick and they find all these things wrong in all these situations, like everyone's out to get them, and no matter what anyone does or says, they're being mean or they're being rude or they're leaving them out or they're, what they said was, was a snarky comment towards them or whatever, that's always a problem. There's always something wrong, okay, with everyone. Then that's evidence that there's something else going on in their life. There's a there's a mess up in their their relationship with God is really what it comes down to. Listen, if you are genuinely satisfied in your relationship with God, why do you care so much about what other people say and think about you? You wouldn't. If you really if you really are just God is your greatest treasure, He brings peace and joy to your heart. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you or what they say to you. Why get offended? Why get so upset? And even if the person means harm to you, don't care. Why care? Don't, don't let it get to you. Don't let that stuff bother you. But, and, and a lot of the times, it's not even hatred. People are just being themselves. They're not even thinking anything about how they could hurt you or that it might hurt you or anything. Extend some grace to those people. Maybe examine your own heart and see if there's something in you that's maybe missing that's making you feel so insecure that you have to be on the defense all the time. Either way, extend grace to people because here's the thing. Hatred only stirs up strife. Getting, getting mad and angry and getting bitter towards someone, whether they meant harm towards you or not, is only going to stir up strife. And I've seen this happen so many times in churches. People don't extend grace. See, when you extend grace and mercy to people, give them the benefit of the doubt, okay? Extend that grace. Assume instead that, that they don't mean harm to you, that maybe they just weren't thinking. Maybe they're having a rough morning. Maybe they're not thinking clearly. Maybe they've got medical conditions that's affecting how they talk and, and respond and socialize. Who knows? Whatever's going on. Extend grace because love covers all offenses. I'm going to tell you what, there'd be a whole lot less fires to put out in churches if people would just extend grace to one another and stop thinking that life's all about them. That's about God. Okay? Show mercy to each other. Forgive. Move on. Love covers all offenses. 
If you love someone, whether it's intended for evil towards you or not, if you love them, you will not get so bent out of shape that you start hating them and you stir up strife. Okay? I'm going to stop. <laughs> I've got a lot of experience with that. And so it still lingers there in my mind. I could spend a lot of time on that one verse. All right, let's move quickly then. At verse 13, it says, And the lips of him who has understanding wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him who lacks sense. This is why we discipline our children. Okay? They are, they are naturally lacking in sense. Adults are quite often lacking in sense. I am quite often lacking in sense, okay? But this is part of why we discipline our kids, because if they lack sense, they need to learn to be adults. They need to grow up to learn responsibility. They need to learn to be righteous so that they're a fountain of life and not wicked and conceal violence and not hateful and stir up strife. So we need to discipline them, a rod for the back, so to speak, okay? And we want them to be someone who has lips of understanding and has wisdom. And so these things are kind of opposites here, you know. But here's the thing, is if discipline is given, then it often leads to the good thing, okay? Verse 14, the wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the fool brings ruin near. And that's always true, all right? When, you, when you're hateful and you stir up strife, you're one who brings ruin. You see how they, they kind of connect there, these verses? And I could spend a lot of time on that too, but I'm just going to move quickly through this. Verse 15, a rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. Now, two things here to point out about this verse, okay? This is not saying that if you are poor, material-wise, physically, that you must be doing something wrong. That's not what this verse is saying here. Here's, here's two things. Remember, Solomon has talked about being lazy a couple different times. And it's wise to be diligent and work hard and plan ahead. Don't be lazy and put things off and procrastinate, okay? That will lead to poverty, and that's a foolish thing, all right? But hey, you might be someone who works very hard and is very diligent and still does not have that much money, okay? That's not what it's talking about here, all right? It's talking about being vigilant and working hard. Not only that... But Solomon is not just referring to physical material wealth here. He's talking about spiritual wealth. That's almost always in Scripture is the bigger picture that everything is pointing to here. Okay? So a rich man's wealth is his strong city. All right? So it may not be material money that makes you rich. It may be wisdom that makes you rich. It may be the, your family, your relationships that you have built through being a wise person, your strong marriage, your church family, all of these things. I am, the, I am the most wealthy person I know. I have five healthy children that God has blessed me with. I'm, I am the richest man on earth, honestly. I, I believe that. I am. I'm so blessed. I have a wife who is fantastic and loves me and puts up with me and is patient with me. And I could not be more wealthy than I am now. And so a rich man's wealth is his strong city. All of that stuff is my strong city. I don't need more money, okay? So you, we got to think about it in that sense. we got to think about the things that are actually valuable. And don't just always assume that it's money, paper money, gold, and the material things. Okay, verse 16 says, The wage of the righteous leads to life. The gain of the wicked to sin. And that is very straightforward. Man, I could just crack a fortune cookie open on that one. That'd be a good one, and I could just preach a sermon with it. 
The wage of the righteous leads to life. So, wage is being paid for something, right? Okay, that's the idea behind that. It's a wage, so you, you work for it. There's effort, all right? The righteous, it does take effort to be righteous. It does, and it leads to life, okay? The wage of the righteous leads to life. So you work to do right and honor God and love God and put him first in your life, and you seek after God. That takes effort. That takes work, and it's beneficial because the wage, your payment for that, is life. I'm not talking about like living longer on earth before you die. I'm talking about life in the sense of purpose and meaning and satisfaction that lasts for all eternity. Okay? The things that really matter and are actually valuable. Whereas the gain of the wicked, the wicked don't, don't work for righteous things. So it doesn't lead to life. It only leads to sin. What is sin according to scripture? It's not just bad things that God doesn't like. Sin is synonymous with death, okay? So we need to think about it that way. The gain of the wicked doesn't lead to life. It leads to death. And that makes sense because he says life here for righteous. And he says sin down here. But really, we could take the word sin out and put the word death in there. And it'd probably help help bring a little more understanding. Not changing scripture because sin and death mean the same thing. But not everybody makes that connection and recognizes that. All right, I'm going to stop there. It's a lot of good stuff here. A lot of good stuff to ponder and think about. God is good. There's wisdom here. Solomon is spot on. This is coming from the Lord. And we need to heed these words and meditate on them and really apply them to our heart. Write them on the tablet of our heart. Bind them around our neck, as Solomon has already told us. Thank you for joining me today. Remember, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's going to take care of everything else. God's working for you, not against you. Have a blessed day. I'll see you again tomorrow. Bye.